I haven't worked 20 years for my career and for my life and my mental happiness for you to tell me that you might never let me be free again. And truly, I don't think men understand the sacrifice. They go, I want kids because my dad had kids and my grandfather had kids and it would be nice to have kids. Go fuck yourself. It's a dumb reason. What are you going to do to make this so that we are both equally making sacrifices? And I've yet to see in most people's relationships where the woman isn't making most of them. And that's the thing that bothers me about all my friends that have kids is they'll complain about their husbands. And I'd be like, dude, this dude has six degrees. Don't tell me he's too dumb to change a diaper or heat up milk. Like that's where you go. They just don't want to. But first, a word from our sponsors. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the solo hoes and therapized thoughts. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. I'm a therapized thoughty. I got two shrinks. I go four days a week. How am I still this fucked up? Hey, everyone. How you doing? Welcome to the show. By contrast, my guest this week seems very emotionally mature, uh, at least in terms of dating and relationships, knows what she wants, isn't settling for less. Comedian Liz Mealy is on the pod this week, everybody. Super funny comic. She's got a new special out now for free on YouTube. It's called Ghosts of Academic Future. Check it out. Uh, But before we get to Liz, Naked Show. Whoa, what a night. Ugh, crushed it. We had a sold-out, packed room at Hacienda on Friday night. My friend Andrea Allen and I, uh, we, we brought back the concept to New York City and Hosted it in the basement of an orgy mansion. I That felt the appropriate place to do it. Um, but yeah, packed house, great crowd. Uh, the comedians all did really well. And, and most importantly, the comedians all felt great afterwards. I know a lot of them were nervous about getting naked in front of an audience. Uh, but everyone crushed. It was a great night. Amazing night. I'm looking forward to the next one. Keep your ears open for the next date and when tickets go on sale. Because yo... We sold out over a week in advance, so like this is going to be the hot ticket in Bushwick. I can tell you that much. There was like one joke I had to not do because uh, I didn't know if it would be proper. I, I, I playing around with a joke about uh, peeing on someone. I don't know if you all remember a couple weeks ago I talked about the whole peeing on someone at a play party, and and so I was like, oh, maybe I'll do that joke. But then she was sitting in the second row, and I was like, well, that would be rude. But until you have your next opportunity to uh, see me do stand-up naked, you can see me do stand-up clothed in a few places coming up. Yes, people, show dates, show dates. October 5th, I'm going to be at Zaphires in Valley Stream, New York at 10 o'clock. October 6th, I'll be at the Bridge and Tunnel Brewery in, uh, in Ridgewood, Queens. That's a 7.30 show. And then October 12th, I am at Essence Bar over on Atlantic Avenue at 9 o'clock. I'm pretty sure those are all free comedy shows. You can just pop in, enjoy some yuck yucks, have a couple drinks. Should be a good time. Uh, it's, it's nice to be doing stand-up for real people again, I gotta say. Let's move on to the next thing. Guys, we have a hot, ooh, hot movie night tomorrow, Thursday, September 22nd. We have a hot movie night 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Fanhorn Nation is showing up in the Champagne Room, and we're going to be watching Taboo American Style Part 3. Ah, Part 3. This is a four-part saga. This isn't a thing where, like, for the next 17 months, we're watching the same narrative. Uh, uh, In November, we will conclude this tale of Nina, the super manipulative, very hot bitch. Um, it, I mean, bitch, because if you saw the storyline, you'd be like, yeah, no, that's a crazy cunt. And, and you'd be someone who's like, I don't even like to say that word, but it's the only word that's like appropriate for this woman. You're just going to have to show up to hot movie night to find out. Is this a sales pitch? I don't even know anymore. Everybody, uh, <laughs> hot movie night. It's uh, once a month. Members of my fan whore community on Patreon. We gather together on discord and we watch a retro classic porn together. Uh, This is how you join us. One, you have to be in the Champagne Room, which is our free Discord server, and you can join that at manwhorepod.com slash Discord. 
You don't have to write down these URLs. They're all in the show notes. Okay, number two, you have to be supporting the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. You can join at any level. They start at just $2 a month, and you can become a member today at patreon.com slash Podcast. Again, link in the show notes. And then number three is you just got to follow the instructions to link your Discord with your Patreon. And then you can come hang out with us, watch some porn, do, uh, do funny commentary during the sex scenes, or turn your mic and your camera off and uh, quote-unquote enjoy the film. You know. Uh, quick shout out to hotmovies.com for helping us make Hot Movie Night happen very unofficially. I do think promo code manwhore at hotmovies.com gets you 20 free minutes on top of any package you sign up for. I do hope uh, that I will be seeing y'all there. Okay. Before we get to my guest this week, Liz Mealy, let's do a quick fan whore appreciation moment. Okay. This is the part of the podcast where I like to give a shout out to people who are supporting my work on the Patreon because, you know, look, I know we've been starting to hear some different types of ads these days, but, uh, you know, the best way you can support the work that I'm doing is directly to me on Patreon. Do I want ads? Of course not. Do I like the brands that I'm working with? Yeah, but like, you know, I don't want ads. I want to be able to give you just a nice, smooth experience, but Papa got to pay the bills. I mean, yeah, you can use Venmo and Cash App. I got those in the in the show notes. But Patreon really is the is a great way to be a part of the community. And you get a bunch of great rewards in the process. On top of a shout-out on the show, you can get access to nearly 300 bonus episodes of the Man Whore podcast. You can get access to our super, super private group chat, The Peep Show. Hey. You get, also get access to behind-the-scene posts. Writings that I don't really post publicly and uh, and much, much more. So right now, I want to give a big shout out to uh, someone who's going by Iceberg7, holding it down in the Garden State, buddy. Way to go. And uh, I also want to give a big thank you to JB, whoever you are. I, I don't know anything other than that you got JB. Maybe you're a Jersey boy. And in that case, like, what's up, boss? Uh, how about them Jets? Ooh, how about them Jets? Really, how about them Jets? Did you all see that? Did you all see uh, the, the, the end of the fourth quarter of that Jets game on Sunday? Mm. We back, baby. I really can empathize with women who date men and how low the bar is for men to be like a decent date because I'm a Jets fan. And the bar to impress me is quite low. How low? We haven't won a game in September since 2018. And we were so and we we've been bragging about it all week so far. But like, yo, man, this is our first win since September 2018. Just like women are walking around, like I went back to his place and his mattress wasn't on the floor. It was crazy. The bar is low. Um, so JB, I hope you are clearing the bar and being a pretty decent, awesome, dope-ass Jersey boy. JB and Iceberg7, thank you all both so much for supporting the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. One more time, you too can become a member and support the pod you love at patreon.com slash Podcast. Uh, Liz Mealy is a super funny stand-up comedian. Uh, she's been doing it a long-ass time. She started doing comedy at 16 years old. And you can tell because she's a fucking killer. She's a nationally touring stand-up comedian. She's got multiple specials for free on YouTube. And we had a really cool conversation about relationships, about being alone, about having standards with sprinkles of punchlines thrown in between. Uh, so got a few words from some sponsors coming up, and then we're going to have a little chit-chat with comedian Liz Mealy. I'm so, I'll bring cats up 14 times in any podcast. I, as I noticed from watching the <laughs> special, it was like that was that's a lot of cat humor, <laughs> but it's not sad. I feel like typically you hear this, the cat yeah. humor, and it's all about like how sad and lonely I am. And no, it's, a, it's about how you should all have cats. it's really about i just i don't if your life sucks maybe you don't have the right animal look at him being so good Uh, yeah so wait how what like like if you bring a date home like what kind of horror does like you become i don't know yet i haven't since i got him wait wait what i haven't you haven't had a date in like six months i haven't had it or you haven't brought home somebody in six months i have had dates i have not brought anybody home yeah in over six months how do you feel about that i'm okay with it Yeah. yeah i doesn't make 
first of all, I don't date um, a lot. Mm. I won't. I would. I would say I don't date a lot, and I'm also. It's the best way of saying this. I'm fine being alone for huge chunks of time, and that's pretty much my pattern. So it's like alone, date somebody for a while, be alone for a while, date somebody for a while. And then when I'm dating, I kind of know within the first, like, first of all, you don't even get a date very quickly because I'm, I'm not one of those people that's like, I just want to fill up my calendar. I'm busy. Like, yeah. I have shows and I have friends and I have shit to do. I barely see my friends now. So, like, I don't, I don't come home and feel lonely. I come home and go, oh, if I don't fucking make sure that I get dinner with a friend in the two days that I'm home, I might not see them for a month. So I'm not one of those people that's like play the game and date as many people as possible so you can find somebody because I don't feel um, like my life is less without somebody. Mm. But do I want companionship? Do I want to have sex again? Like all those things? Absolutely. But um, so I don't, that initial thing, like I, I don't... I've pretty, been pretty good about that. My sorry, just, just did a just did like the uh, the cat of the cat and cow. Like yeah, 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 yeah. It's probably because the cords are moving, and he's like, "Snake, do you need do you need help?" Um, <laughs> but but I would say even that first date, I there's so like it's hard to even get. It sounds so douchey. It's hard to get a first date with me because I'm already like no, like right. I, so so then a second date. I this is gonna sound so dumb. I haven't dated in so long mm-hmm. that I definitely, when I was ready to date after like about a year after my breakup, I started watching like all those TikTok dating things, what they tell you. And it's all trash. Okay. Like every, every advice about dating is trash. And or it's, it's all coming from like 23 year old TikTokers. Yeah. Like, what do you know? No, it's either coming from like people that have been married for 45 years and like don't understand online dating or just dating in general, or even just like the economy. Like, why don't you think of like, it's just yeah. kind of incre- incredible how like there's nothing other, nothing, no other factors being put in other than your, your somebody and I'm somebody and maybe we might want to get together. The best advice I have seen that I really liked and really helped um, my mind frame going back into dating, the goal of a first date mm-hmm. is to find out if you want to go on a second date. And the goal of a second date is to find out if you want to go on a third date. Mm-hmm. And the goal of a third date is to find out if you want to go on a fourth date. Okay. And on the fourth date, then you can start making some decisions. I really did think you were going to keep going Yay! with it. And, say fifth date. and then by the time you're 70, <laughs> you might want to propose. But it really kind of loosens things up in the sense that I don't like, I'm older. My goals haven't really changed. Mm-hmm. I would say what I'm looking for has shifted and who I am has drastically changed. But my goals in a relationship and what I want for the future haven't. I'm just more mature about it. And so I think in a lot of ways, um, dating culture has kind of confused me and scared me and given me too much. I, you know how like somebody gives you too much and then you don't know what to focus and you don't know who you are anymore? Mm. I think that kind of clouded it. And then I just had to go back to basics, which is do I want to be around this person? And then we can find out if they want kids or, you know, if they don't. My biggest thing is nobody likes my schedule. And I just want to be like, how? How does nobody like my schedule? That's insane. I've had guys that literally their days off are Monday and Tuesday. Like they don't have a weekend. And I was like, this is perfect, right? This is perfect. I'm gone on the weekends. You have to work on the weekends. Monday and Tuesday can be both our weekend. And they still, it still wasn't like, you're just like, that's crazy. What what was the issue with it? Because they were still working. So they worked Monday and Tuesday. And I was like, no, 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 no. If Monday and Tuesday is your day off, you need to take Monday and Tuesday as a day off. Those types who don't know how to take a day off. Don't know how to take a day off. Don't know how to make me a priority at all. And it's like, I don't need to be, you're not my number one and I don't need to be your number one. Mm. That doesn't matter. Like whatever that is, that's not there. But I want to be on the list. I want to be somewhere. And like, you know, I keep being like the person I date is going to be like a coder that can travel anywhere because then we can travel together or like because it's it's hard when two people travel because it's you can never line up the schedule. And then it's hard when somebody has a day job because as soon as you come home from work, I'm getting ready to leave for work um, and I'm gone on weekends. It's like I don't. And then as you get older, somebody wants you to settle down, but then I don't want to be with somebody younger. So you're just like in this weird place where you're just like, who am I for? Like, what, you know what I mean? Like, what am I, I don't know what to do. And I'm not, maybe some shifting would have happened 10, 15 years ago, mm. whether I believe that was the right decision or not. Okay. But it's not anymore. This is my life. It yeah. isn't going to change much other than get more busy. 
So it's like, I'm really just... And that would be good. Like, if oh, yeah, things I'd be are going well, you'd be like, I will be super busy if life goes the way I want to. Like, I'm going to have a show, I'm going to be shooting a movie, I'm going to be writing another thing, yeah. I'm going to be doing stand-up, I'm going to be doing this. So like, and that's the good version. <laughs> it's kind of crazy because like my last boyfriend was like, you're never around. And then the pandemic happened and he was like, you're kind of around all the time. And I was like, <laughs> I'm starting to think... I'm not the problem. <laughs> like, also, the truth of the matter is, is I and I, I, you know, I ended it because I pretty much was like, I, I think you don't like me. Like, mm-hmm. I think you love me. I think you care about me. But I'm 90% sure you don't like me. That day to day. Yeah. Yeah. I, and you're just kind of like, and I deserve to be with somebody that likes me. Yeah. So I think when it goes back to like the goal of a first date is to find out if you want a second date. The goal of a second date is to find out if you want a third date. It's do I like this person and do they like me back? And I'm not going to jump to any kind of next conclusions because that's where you start filling in the gaps, both the people filling in the gaps of what you want them to be and what you hope for them to be. And you're not actually looking at the person and getting to know the person in front of you, which is, you know, and that's what's more difficult now is I had a baby fan base, but I really didn't have a fan base the last time I dated, which was six years ago. Mm. I do now. And so both online dating and meeting people in person, I don't want them to know my standup before they know me. It's a version of myself. I'm proud of my standup. I wrote everything. I crafted everything. It's a lot of it is my life, but that's, that's not who I am all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's also this kind of hard thing where I, I do feel like people fall in love with not me Mm. and how heartbreaking that is. And like, when you think it from like a guy's perspective, what do they say? Like, you know, women just want money or they just want somebody that's hot or whatever, whatever. And then there's some guy that's out there just being like rich and buying love. If that if that's what you want, by all means. Yeah. If that's what you feel you can only get, that's sad to me though. And I don't want that. I don't want somebody that just wants a version of me. I want somebody that wants me. Have you experienced that yet where somebody fell, like maybe in dates? like where- Yeah, no, I've had boyfriends. I definitely have had Well, oh, I meant like where someone fell in love with like oh, the, the character of you. Absolutely. That, yeah. I feel like, first of all, my entire... My in- like my entire YouTube is either people telling me that women aren't funny and to go make a sandwich or I'm in love with you and when can we get married? Right. It's a very broad spectrum of this is the worst thing I've ever seen and when can we get married? And both are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like both are, are not men I want to be with. Mm. Um, because I, if you're falling in love with somebody you've never really met before, you don't know me. So like, do you find this out like when you go, so I'm assuming this has happened since the breakup because like the, the, the fan base grew during the last relationship, yeah. right? So like yeah. since the breakup, like if you like, do you find out when you go on the date, they let it know, I'm like, actually I'm a big fan or yeah. do they kind of let you know via text and you start getting eked out before you even meet them? So I, I, I was talking to a guy online, like a online dating site and he was like, we were talking a little bit. So keep in mind, I say that I'm a writer. I have no pictures of me holding a microphone. <laughs> like I keep it super vague. Oh, okay. Yeah. And when I first, meanwhile, like I do the opposite cause I'm like, I feel like this is one of my few strong points. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. I, everybody can approach it differently, but I don't. That's not what I want. And so we talked a little bit, and then he was like, "I should probably let you know I'm like a big fan." And so I talked to him a little bit, and then like the more I talked to him, and we were gonna meet up, I just was like, "No, mm. I just don't want it. I don't. I feel like you can't undo it." I don't know. I would love to talk to like some like somebody that's like a real celebrity and be like. You just you can see them get disappointed when they get to know who you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because the truth of the matter is you're watching not just the best version of me. Like if I'm telling a story about something that happened to me, I worked on that story from anywhere from two weeks to six months. Yeah. Every word is picked out. Every sound is like like it's I made it so it's perfect. I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm the complete opposite of perfect. The truth of the matter is I've, I, 90% of the time I said some version of something I said, but it's been pushed out and made stronger, better, and funnier. What I said in the moment was probably, I'll fucking kill your family. Like it was just, <laughs> just some Italian, you know what I mean? Like it's how you feel. Like if somebody cuts you off, you're not thinking of the most hilarious thing. You're thinking, I hope you die in a fire. So it's just like what you're getting is unfiltered crazy 
like when you get me and what you get when you see on 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 online or or on a show is somebody that made sure that this was the funniest version sure. of crazy. And I can't provide the funniest version of crazy all the time. I'm tired. But have you gone through an experience of like you can tell you just let somebody down or is this all like oh, you're I'm just pretty, worried about letting them down? I'm pretty sure my last boyfriend I let down for four years yeah but like, he but I mean hey, look that wasn't because he like fell in love with the online persona like he, yeah, that was all in person yeah no I'm not all in person <laughs> I think he knew my stand-up beforehand okay. but but I don't know I I think some of I mean I'm just curious if some of this like I, I wouldn't want to date someone who like is already like really familiar with your work has to do with like just your fear of letting somebody down when they get to know you better I mean I think that's 50% of it and 50% of it is like I I just, we're, so America's very much a culture of like, what do you do? And mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. Like you go anywhere else in the world. It's not the first thing you say at a party. It's actually kind of weird. And it's kind of sizing people up both kind of financially and otherwise, yeah. as opposed to like my dad kind of just taught me from a business sense and a talking to people sense that, you know, if we met at a party and somebody goes, Hey, this is Billy. I'd be like, Oh, Hey, what do you do? And like, that's just a way to start the conversation. Yeah. It's a little weirder if I'm like, what do you, what kind of hobbies do you have? Like, you just sound a little bit kooky yeah. as opposed to it's super commonplace and not weird for me to ask you what you do for a living. Right. And I'm not fishing for anything. I just want to know how to start this conversation. Because we're in a place and like, we don't know each other and why else would we be here? Let's yeah. 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 And the other one is if we're in a mutual place, I'd be like, oh, how do you know Marcus? And then we, you'd be like, oh, we went to college together. Right. Oh, where'd you go to college? Oh, I love New Hampshire. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Just something and then to we get go, this ball I'm moving. just trying to find an endpoint. But in other cultures, it's weird. Like that's they hate that. They think it's and I. They I want to know the hobbies. Yeah, but I don't know how to do it in a non-Swedish odd way. So, so here I am doing it in my own, you know, normal American way. But I think when I first started doing stand up, and even when I first started making money, like I've always wanted to be a comedian. Nothing makes me happier than the fact that that's a label I have um, uh, manifested and worked hard and, and, and am. And I'm not ashamed of it, but it isn't all who, of who I am. So young Liz was like, I have no value and I'm going to create value with comedy. But now mature been in therapy for too long. Liz is like, I have value without this. Sure. So I think more and more, I would like to find the people that see my value without this. Mm-hmm. And this is like a bonus as opposed to all that I have to offer. And I think taking some responsibility, I think I sought off, sought out people that valued that because I didn't see value in myself. Mm. And when do you feel like you started to get that value in yourself? When I started to like, because like the industry, I, I've. Before or after the breakup? I would say before the breakup. Before. Like even before I started dating my ex, I started to be like, I have value. But I think going through that relationship made me realize how much how much importance i put on it and how much how much less importance i put on it so that when i can't even explain it like most of my day is comedy i'm writing comedy i'm emailing bookers i do shows most nights it's whatever whatever but if you ask me how my day is i probably wouldn't even mention it I would mention about like how I got bubble tea or how a friend called me and told me this funny story or like I would send you a dumb picture of my cat. Like even though it's probably 60 to 70% of every single day, what I value in a day, it doesn't even come up. I might say I had a good show. Sure. And so I think more and more I started to realize both our conversations were about comedy where where like even like what he would he wouldn't even ask me about my day he would ask me how my show was and i was like what about my day he wasn't a comic right he was a producer that like dabbled in comedy and okay. stuff like that um and loved it and that's and one of the things is of course i want somebody that likes comedy and 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 has a good sense of humor i mean we wouldn't have been together that long if we didn't have a shared sense of humor and he's a wonderful person i have nothing against my ex i think he's an incredible person you were quite gracious in the special about yeah, it. yeah and i and i and i have many jokes about him and he didn't like all of them and i always tried to be like well i don't want to say anything that would hurt your feelings and let's talk about it but then he wouldn't want to talk about it and then when he did talk about it i was like it's, but it's really good right now like <laughs> you know what I mean? the time to have told me was the first time i asked months ago and you said it was fine and then i worked six months on it um, but I would make adjustments. I never w wanted to hurt his feelings. But I think for me, I 
I don't know. I just don't want it to be. I want somebody to hear that I'm a comic and be like, that's really cool. And then find out what my favorite flower is. Right. You know what I mean? And I cannot remember. And I, again, I don't know if I allowed somebody to find out who my, what my favorite flower is. Mm. So I think the next step of my dating life is me personally putting less importance into comedy, but also seeking out people that don't put that same importance. And it's really hard to find that the more people know what you do. Yeah. Someone who's like only seen one late night set, like that might be an an okay yeah, amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can see five minutes of it, and, yeah. and that's about it. You can see what it looks like when somebody professionally does my <laughs> eyeliner, and what I look like when I'm on TV with good lighting. Yeah. So, are you like being really purposeful right now with the dating, or is it kind of something you touch on here and there? I I went off all the apps. They were really bumming me out. Um, so I'm not actively trying outside do you know who carmen lynch is yeah carmen's my favorite we lived together for years she's the best she has a great joke where she goes oh i do old school dating she's had a boyfriend forever but she goes i do the old school version of dating i just leave the house and hope and i'm i'm there but with eyeliner like that's it (laughs) like that's the only thing i've added to her joke so i i'm not trying that hard Mm -hmm. and i'm kind of fine with it you know what i mean like i i have moments where i don't feel pretty And what's the easy fix of feeling pretty? Somebody telling you you're pretty or somebody wanting to spend time with you. But then, you know, my friend sent me a shit ton of makeup for my birthday and I've been having fun with that and that's been making me feel pretty. And all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I don't need a boy to tell me I'm pretty. I just need a mirror and I need the makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I put on some pink eyeliner and I feel fucking amazing. I put glitter on and then I just walk out in the day. I feel better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, no, it just looks nicer to look in the mirror right now. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's one of the weird things that I've noticed is that another good great joke do you know ted alexandro yeah ted's the best ted has an old joke where he goes um uh, what is it? i'm gonna butcher it but it's something like um uh, uh being single is loneliness right before you go to bed mm. and euphoria the whole rest of the day and i've always loved that joke i've always thought it was funny but i would if i could add on it in a less funny way I have moments when I am lonely Mm -hmm. the same way that I have moments that I am sad or moments that I am elated or moments where I'm confused, but I'm not lonely. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty great the whole day. And then I'll have a moment where I'm watching a show laughing by myself and I'm, and I think, oh man, I wish there was a second laugh. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, just like at some point they have to know I'm laughing by myself, like all my neighbors. And that it's like a moment where I'm like, man, I really wish I was watching this show with somebody else. Or, man, it'd be nice if somebody fed my cat and had keys to my place. <laughs> like yeah. having the, Knowing someone has keys to your place it's, feels so good. Dude, I've even like, I've told myself in a couple of years, I'm going to get a dog because I've always loved dogs. I just, my lifestyle is not conducive to a dog. Sure. So two things have to happen for me to get a dog. I either have to have stupid money because I'm not going to put it in a kennel. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You'd have to have the stupid amount of money that when I'm gone for three days, somebody stays at my place sure. and hangs out with my dog. You're like literally paying a dog to have a best friend. <laughs> so I'm either have to go, I have to hire a dog best friend or I get myself a stay at home boyfriend <laughs> who can watch my goddamn dog. Right, right. So one of those things are going to happen in the next couple of years. Yeah. Those are my goals. Those <laughs> moments, you know, it's like, I, now I don't know if the whole, when you know, have you ever heard people say like a shark uh, dies if it starts, stops moving? Or yeah, yeah, like yeah, that? yeah. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I'm not a scientist, but like, yeah. it, uh, I feel like my sad moments when I feel lonely are like that. Like if I stop moving, there's opportunity for me to like remember that I'm alone and yeah. feel sad about it. Yeah. But if I'm like, if I have a full day, um, you know, I'm, oh, God, I got two podcasts and I got a show and I got this thing over here. It's like, I forget that like I'm single and sad and missing a lady in Brooklyn Heights who I really, really, really want to be let back into. <laughs> so if I can keep myself moving in a full day, but like, you yeah. know, you, you I'm, I am far less disciplined than you, but it's like, if I have too much like, Nothing in a day. It just that's just time for my brain to go places. Yeah. But you feel it seems like you you're like really regimented. You got things going. There's no time for you to be. Yeah. Lonely. And I, yeah. And I don't. I think loneliness has value. I the same way that feeling your feelings of being sad have value. Stop s- stealing lines from my therapist. Yeah. This yeah. Is- yeah. No. No. I've, I've been in therapy too long. But like, I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging that I might be lonely. I think what's wrong is when I pursue it in a way that I lose myself in. Mm. And I think old Liz would pursue it in a way that she loses herself. And new Liz goes, if you're lonely, 
I don't know, solve it the way you want to solve it. Go get a candy bar. Who gives a shit? Like, you know what I mean? I've been lonely and gotten a milkshake and it fixes a lot. It does. I What's love your go-to milkshake? Chocolate milkshake. Chocolate Why would, milkshake? Yeah, just simple chocolate milkshake. You got a place you like? I will go for convenience. It's late. When you feel lonely, it's late at night. So yeah. it's whatever's open. Sure. Because I don't think I would actively have all the materials for a milkshake in my house. I would have a milkshake every day because there's always something that's going to upset you and <laughs> need a milkshake to solve it. It's why I was scared when someone got me an air fryer. I was like, I can have French fries whenever <laughs> yeah, I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut like, up right anytime? now. Anytime? <laughs> They're like, yes, yeah, so you just have to have them in the 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. In every bodega, half the bodegas have frozen yeah. French fries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, this isn't good. This is bad. Uh, yeah. This is one of the best worst gifts you've ever given me. <laughs> yes. But it's like, thank you. And also go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so no, I feel you on that. It's, it's tough, but there's, you know, I also heard like the, the maturity of that when you were talking about first date to second, second to third, cause it really like takes the stakes out of it where some yeah. people go in that first day. It's like, I'm on the first date and I need to like, know all the future stuff which is, about now, which is crazy. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, think about like my sister, my little sister did four interviews to get a job. Mm-hmm. Four. That's crazy. And she got it and then it didn't work out a month later. Like that's <laughs> a crazy amount of effort. Like that's crazy. And so I think if to get a job, it takes four. Like to have a partner, mm-hmm. it should take at least four. Like like why am I giving less than a job interview? Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, I'm very fortunate and I know not a lot of women are in my position. I'm 37 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't care about marriage at all. I think I don't even want it. I've kind of felt always that I didn't want it, but I didn't know if that feeling was trauma and and all that stuff. I feel like it's still not trauma. I feel like I still don't want to get married. So all I want is a partner that's around. So there's this kind of need a wedding and what if, you know, my hair's gray by the time. Like, I don't care. I don't need any of that. I also don't want to have kids. So... There's no rush for me. I have girlfriends that are around the same age as me that it is like it's hard to take down that like, what is this going to be? Because in their heart, they're like, I want a baby or I want to get married before I'm 40 or whatever their goals are. And I don't like that's great. Whatever your goals are, they are. But like I can go into it and be like, who are you? And do I want to see you again? As opposed to some people are like, do I want their sperm inside me? Yeah. And I don't have to ask that question. It's My stakes are so much lower. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm just as equally disappointed down the road when my schedule is a pain in the ass and they don't want to be with me because I'm never around or, you know, whatever other thing that they have a problem with. It still hurts because I would like a partner, but I also don't need anything tangible in the near future from this partner. Yeah, yeah. And what sucks is as a woman, you, you do have those stakes. Like we Mm. do have an expiration date on our eggs, like legit. So like, I understand if that's something you value, that it is going to put that pressure on you. I just don't care. Like, I just don't. Also, I, at 37, I think they're like, I had two friends that had kids at 36 and their doctors kept calling them. It's a geriatric pregnancy. They said it so many times that they're like, write it in the file. Stop saying it out loud. <laughs> it's hurting my feelings. <laughs> um, but it is, you become more high risk. It gets harder to get pregnant. Da, da, da. There's all these, can it happen? I've also had friends that have had kids in yeah. their early forties, my mom being one of them, but it's, it's, it, it is again, what your, everybody's goals are so fucking different and I think on the flip side of it, I I think I read more and more like a dude. And it's really hard to re- read like a dude and also want a dude around and realize that you're almost like those, like those, you know, um, what do you mean? Magnets <laughs> that are propelling sure. each other. Uh, or it's wh- just like, you can't be chill. I'm chill. You can't, <laughs> you can't not want this. I don't want this. Sure. Yeah. It's really <laughs> fucking up with attachment styles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait. So what do you mean by like read like a dude? Um, Almost every guy I've ever wanted, uh, every guy that I've been with, dated, has wanted kids. Mm -hmm. And it's been a problem. Yeah. And I think early Liz was like, I don't want them, but let's find out. Mm -hmm. And now 37-year-old Liz is, I don't think so. I just, I cannot, I cannot imagine ever wanting them. I just can't. I love my friends' kids. Mm. I love my niece and nephews. I will watch the shit out of your kids. But I I just, I don't at all. And so what's really hard and really heartbreaking to watch, and I can see as somebody that is a woman but like has this kind of dude propelledness against it, 
is you watch them get like fall less in love with you because they're not going to get what they want. And it's heartbreaking. Especially if you're staying with and it's not like, well, this means there's no next date, but like we're still going to be around each other. I'm just going to see the difference between you around me two weeks ago and you being around me in two weeks. And my my ex wanted them. And I was like, I could see myself trying, but like we aren't we aren't connected enough right now for me to feel like this isn't a huge risk. And he could not he couldn't grasp that, which is it is a. It is a hundred percent a risk for me, a hundred percent. And he thinks, well, no, it's not a hundred. Having the kid, having the kid is a hundred percent a risk for me. It's a risk of my life. Mm -hmm. And this goes all the way to Roe versus Wade and everything. I could die. Um, any any kind of complications could make it so I cannot function. I cannot walk. I have issues for the rest of my life. I have like a like my vagina is hanging out. Like there are so many things that could go wrong that could make it so that I am either literally not alive or being alive is more difficult. And that's before the baby is even anything else. Then anything that happens to the baby is both going to be a financial drain and an emotional drain and a physical drain. I have to breastfeed this baby. I can't be away from this baby. I don't sleep for the first couple of months to six months with this so i am making all these sacrifices for this baby what are you doing some of it he physically can't do he physically cannot breastfeed this baby and this baby needs milk you could do formula blah 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 blah. but there's some things that he physically cannot do but if we're both working if we both need to be a part of this baby's life it's it's i don't i don't want to make the sacrifices and i don't believe that he's going to show up I think good parenting isn't 50-50. I think good parenting is some days I'll be 90 to 100% and some days you're going to have to be 90 to 100%. And in his mind, and I'm somebody that raised two kids, like I have younger brothers that I raised, some days I'm going to need you to be 90 to 100%. And he flat out told me, I don't know what that looks like. And I go, then fuck, if you want kids, start reading yeah. books now. Yeah. Start telling me what you're going to do now. Like there's like, there's... then you just like the idea of being a father. But yeah. Like, you know... Dude, what, you take pictures? Yeah. That's insane. You're going to have days where you also have to make sacrifices. And the truth of the matter is, is I, I can slow down, but I want to speed up again. And in, in, Looking at our lives together, I don't think he ever wanted me to speed up again. Mm. And I'm not doing that. I haven't worked 20 years for my career and for my life and my mental happiness for you to tell me that you might never let me be free again. Mm. And truly, I don't think men understand the sacrifice. They go, I want kids because my dad had kids and my grandfather had kids and it would be nice to have kids. Go fuck yourself. It's a dumb reason. What are you going to do to make this so that we are both equally making sacrifices? And I've yet to see in most people's relationships where the woman isn't making most of them and especially for something that you say i don't even know that i want that badly exactly it's like and, and, you're, and, you're, and you're still i don't want to be resentful of a man and a child that's yeah. not fair yeah so it's just to me like my therapist is because i kept being when i was with him i was just like i wouldn't be i wouldn't be against making the sacrifice and she goes that is the dumbest sentence i've ever heard and i go what well, isn't life about sacrifices she goes you should be excited to have a baby the same way you're excited to get a cat and when she said that i was like oh yeah i've never been more excited to have a cat this cat has woken me up so many goddamn times he's probably sleeping because he just knows he's being shit on oh he's right yeah he's like curled up in a ball look at the face come on and don't get me wrong, babies are adorable. It's not that I don't like babies. I think um, if you're like, it's like you should be excited to have the kid or you should be really excited to have the kid with this person. Of course. And that seems to be like where you are trying to put yourself where like, can I be excited to have a kid with this person at least? And I'm and most days I wasn't excited to be with that person, not because he wasn't yeah. a great person, because he could not show up for me, even just as an individual. How are you going to show up for me as an individual that's tired with a child? Yeah. And how are you going to show up for me an individual who's tired with a child that has goals and dreams? So it's just like, is there selfishness around that? Sure. But I think it's more selfish to feel that way and still bring somebody into this world. And I just don't want to. And I just, I really don't think men know what they're asking for. I really don't. Even the ones that do make sacrifices, I still don't think they know what they're asking for. And so I feel fortunate to have, actually, I, the other thing is I got, I got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Fun. Fun. It's very fun. Um, every period feels like something is punching me from the inside. Um, so what's interesting about it is one of the symptoms is infertility. And it made me start to realize, because I always told him, I was like, I might be infertile. I've never, I have never had a pregnancy scare. 
That's right. crazy. I'm not that responsible. That's crazy. <laughs> so that's so. Then when I got diagnosed with it like six months ago, I don't know how long I've had it, but that might be a so. And that can be kind of reversed, you know. So it's like I don't know. There's a part of me that's like between maturity and also being like I don't think I want to. I'm kind of all over the place. But there's no, a no, no, there's you're a making sense. There's a friend of mine um, who had a baby like a year ago. And we were talking, me and a couple of friends were talking to him and um, he'd been with his girlfriend forever and they had a kid like way late and he goes, um, I wanted to have a kid. She was, she, she was like either or about it. And he goes, I will do whatever it takes for us to have this child. So let me know what it would take, what it would look like for us to have this child. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's the way you approach it. Right. But also, but it can't just be like, what does it take? Like financial resource reasons like oh, what yeah. emotional things what exactly they think, like, what does it take because i can do the things and they don't realize that some of the do is like intangible emotional labor yeah, yeah. or like you don't know how to change a diaper it's really well, not that hard yeah. go to your fucking friend's house and ask if you can if they can show you how to change a diaper yeah. watch youtube videos if you can figure out how to change your oil you can figure out how to change yeah. a diaper everything is on the internet i and that's the thing that bothers me about all my friends that have kids is they'll complain about their husbands and i'd be like Dude, this dude has six degrees. Don't tell me he's too dumb to change a diaper or heat up milk. Like that's where you go. They just don't want to. Yeah. And that's where like, and you could see like as somebody that literally, I was nine and raising my brothers. I, it's not that hard. A nine-year-old did it. You can figure it out. So I think a part of me is like half resentful, not resentful of my childhood, but half like I'm still tired and I sure. already have had this responsibility. And also these people don't fucking even know what contract they're getting themselves into mm -hmm. so i just i am in such a different space in dating and i've i've said this both in my career if this is it if i peaked today this is this is what the number of fans i have the number of views i have the number of gigs i have this is it it's never gonna get better than this i'm pretty proud of myself yeah i feel pretty good if this is it for dating i'm never gonna love again never gonna have sex again I'm never gonna have a good time with a dude again. Hmm. It's just, well, I did all right. I don't think it's true for either of them. I, I hope not the second one. When people, <laughs> when, look, when people like give up on the relationship stuff, I go like, you, you're still gonna enjoy pleasure, right? Like, don't, don't, yeah. don't lump, don't throw it all away no, together. <laughs> no, but the same thing with my career. Right. I'll, I'll continue to strive while being grateful. So I think the same way that I can be grateful for the people I've dated and the people I've connected with and the people I've been with, both short-term and long-term, and also strive for deeper and better connection and mm. longer relationships and whatever. So, you know, I, I refuse to believe that you're not successful if you don't get married, and I refuse to believe you're, you're not successful if you get divorced, and I refuse to believe that you're not successful if your love doesn't look like anybody else's love. Mm -hmm. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. The same way that my career doesn't look like most people's career, both in the sense that I'm a comic, but also in the sense that it took me like 15 years for anybody to fucking know who I was or think that I had value or to even find me funny in a lot of contexts. So it's like, if, if I think this whole society is like, you got to do it now and it's got to look this way. And I think in most of the things I've done in my life, nothing's ever kind of looked tip like normal. You know, I and I, I forgot that you raised because I feel like I remembered you ages ago, maybe talking about on stage, like raising the the younger siblings. Do you think that like between raising those siblings, like during what was supposed to be your childhood, yeah, and then having the conversations with your ex that you did, and and when you realized that there might be more constraints on a future for you, did you feel scared? Of course, a hundred percent. I can absolutely like say down again. Yeah, I felt it was triggering. I felt trapped. I the word I use the most with my therapist is I feel like he's going to trap me. Yeah. Which is horrible to say because I don't think that was his intentions, but the truth of the matter is, how many times have you had your feelings hurt and it was nobody's plan. Nobody mm -hmm. meant to say that. Nobody meant to trigger you. Nobody meant to hurt you. It is what it is. Not everybody's going to know everything yeah. that's happened in your past or what you're going through currently, and you're allowed to make those mistakes. That's fine. But this is a pretty big, big mistake. And the fact that he never asked me how I felt about raising my brothers, never. He has never, really? never asked me about my would, childhood. I'd, I'd ask you that on the, at the first or second date. I'd be like, how would you never? As soon as I hear about it, I'd be like, how the fuck was that? I'd ask you like you were a war vet. But it's so funny, I think, and, and this is sad on my part, 
I don't know how much he really got to know me and how much he was really curious about me. And Four he, years, right? Yeah, and he didn't, he made fun of me once. I remember he started sharing something. We were like in bed together and we were cuddling and he started sharing something and I like froze like like a deer in headlights. He goes, every time I share, you like stop moving. And I was like, I just don't want to jinx it. Like, I just don't want you to stop because he just never shared much deepness and I wanted to get to know him so deeply and he he never shared it. And then I like looking back, I'm like, he never asked me any questions. He never wanted to get to know me deep. And that's not fully his fault because clearly he couldn't be vulnerable himself. But like, I mean, th- but this is common. This is, a, I mean, this is a common complaint heard over and over again is chick on date with guy and guy receives all the questions, barely asks yeah. anything back. Yeah. And it's just, and it's, like I said, I know he cared about me. I cared about him. Yeah. I don't really regret our relationship, but I did learn enough to know that I'm not I'm not doing that again. Sure. I'd rather be alone than do that again. Yeah. And I think that's I get is that maturity? Is that resentfulness? I don't know, but I just know that I like my life right now and it's gonna take somebody pretty special to even get me to put on pants and makeup. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, at least not, you know what I mean? Like I get, every time I put on pants and makeup, I get mu- I get paid, Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's going to be pretty hard to do it I recreationally. I appreciate for a free podcast, by the way, you're wearing at least the pants. Uh, I thought it was respectful. That's very, I feel yeah. respected yeah, in yeah, that. Yeah. As I just noticed that you have a fucking Jesus thing uh, up there as well. Do you of see what he's with? Fucking, um, I see Lance. Are those unicorns? Yeah, they're unicorns. Okay, okay. So then yeah, it's yeah, comedy. Okay. Yeah, it's not really. Like, is Liz secretly a fucking... Okay. And then I got my brother the same picture, uh, but it's dinosaurs. Okay. <laughs> no religion uh, whatsoever. Also, have it literally says, go fuck yourself, fuck this shit. Like, there's a lot of... Yeah, but there there are some like cool hip like Libby, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. pastors out there who are like eh, I say fuck, I yeah, listen yeah, to yeah, the Grateful yeah, Dead, yeah. but I also believe in these commandments. You know, so like you I believe in know. no commandments. That's good. You can That's... go fuck your neighbor. I don't care. <laughs> go fuck your neighbor. Fuck your neighbor's wife. Who cares? Fuck your neighbor and your neighbor's wife. Have a fun night of it. That... Really get to know your neighbors. I'm a big fan of that philosophy. And everyone calls me like a weirdo. I, was like, I call it friendly. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, just a good person. How do you if I made you a pot pie, how are you going to pay me back? <laughs> Truly. You know, what What would you say is like a big difference or change between this? Because it seems, sounds like a lot of this like change that you've went through was like early thirties. So, or, you know, around that cusp, what's like a difference between Liz at 37 versus 27 in dating? You don't want to date 27 year old Liz. You don't give it to me. You let don't. me hear, let me hear. About you don't. She was in therapy. Good for her. I'm proud of her. Um, but she cried all the time. Like could not, it didn't matter what the emotion was. She could be happy. She could be sad. She could be angry. It all came out in tears. Um, could not express herself. She was starting to try to, but could not express herself um, in any capacity, um, good or bad. Mm. I love you to, to um, um, you hurt my feelings. Could not. Um, again, I was starting to acknowledge that there was a lot of mental illness in my family and my own issues and my family's issues and the pressure my family put on me and the responsibility my family put on me and family abuse and all this kind of stuff. But I still don't think I understood how it um, affected how I talked to people and dealt with people and dated people and was friends with people. I just, I, I was just starting to understand the shell I was in, but definitely not break out of it. I, I mean, I even joke about it in my new special. Like I, I just started to be, I just started to like myself maybe like a year before I met my ex. Yeah. That's a weird thing to say. Like, cause I met him at 31 or 32. So like around 30, I started to like myself. That's like really a sad statement to make, but I didn't know I didn't like myself. I didn't realize I was so angry and so sad. I think I knew I was sad, but I don't think I understood why. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was really like emotionally erratic and, but I couldn't explain why I was like, I was all over the place, but I had no reasoning. Um, or at least not that I could articulate. I just, I didn't like myself. And how do you convince somebody to be around you if you don't even like being around you? I mean, we, come on, we know how to do that. It's- we do, but in a finite amount of time in a very controlled environment. Mm. And telling a joke, being charming. How many charming people have you talked to? And then you get to know them and you're like, 
gross. There have definitely been some like second and third dates where that realization comes around. You're like, <laughs> I was like, I, like they, they seemed great on the first date, but that was when they did their best work. And yeah, then, of course, of know, course. Oh, you, albums oh like, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anybody can have a good five minute set. <laughs> so there's a part of me that's like, I was slash still am charming. Mm-hmm. I'm charming. I'm funny. I'm nice. I'm adorable enough. Like I, I, I had an ex that was like, I'm great at interviews. Should have been a red flag. He goes, <laughs> I'm great at interviews, but once you hire me, I will slack off until you fire me. This was like one of my first boyfriends. Then you're not great at interviews. You're just a great liar. I don't know. Like- <laughs> exactly. And I'm dyslexic. I didn't learn anything in school. It was really hard for me. I couldn't keep up, but I had to get A's. That was the only way that like my it came from a really strict family. If you wanted to leave the house, you wanted to go to sleepovers. Yeah, how strict hang- was this family if you had to do the raising of the I know. Siblings. Well, that's I had a lot of responsibility. <laughs> so I had to get A's, but I was everything was hard and I was super dyslexic. So I cheated. I cheated most of most of all school, even in college, to get the response. So I know how to look smart. Mm-hmm. I know how to look funny, look char- I know how to do the job. Yeah. It's a big difference to actually be smart. Yeah. or be a nice person or be a like a good partner. I knew how to be a good girlfriend. I know on paper what to do to be a good girlfriend. I was technically a good girlfriend. Right. But if you wanted to tell me something that hurt your feelings, I could not hear it. Yeah. Could not. So in that you did the hurt the feelings or yeah. just something I couldn't hear any criticism even if it was gentle the gentlest criticism. Hey, I know you didn't mean to say this, but you said this kind of hurt my feelings. Okay. Couldn't hear it. So no amount of growth and connection could I be a part of until I was probably 30. It just was too hard for me to acknowledge that. I don't even imagine being your manager at that time period. Oh, dude, (laughs) even now. Oh, my God. I had to rewrite a script for like the 80th time and I was tired and I I had like a kind of a rough winter, like everybody and their mother died and it was just hard. And so I just had a lot of death and I was tired and I was just like kind of done. And then I find out I have to rewrite this thing I'd been working on for two years. And I start crying on the phone with somebody I barely know and my manager who my manager is amazing. And while I'm crying, I go 20% of this is valid and I apologize. (laughs) And so she was like, do you need a moment? I was like, yeah, I'll call you back. And so I call her back. So it's just her. And I go, I don't think I can stop crying. Um, And I don't think I'm crying for the right reasons right now. Like it's not really about this script, Um, but I'm going to need a week. And she's like, okay, let me know. So it's like now I can kind of somewhat identify why I'm upset, when I'm upset, how valid it is, if I'm being triggered. Like I have a range of emotions and I I mean, I can apologize. I can point something out in somebody else in a thoughtful way. Like there's all, like it sounds like really silly basic tools, but I didn't grow up with any of them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I've had really long-term friendships. I just visited my friend from elementary school. I've known her 27 years. Um, I just got back from visiting my friend from high school. I've known her almost 20 years. Um, I've had friends since I started comedy, so friends for almost 20 years, 15, 20 years. Uh, I I don't know how because I was awful to be around. (laughs) But I was a nice person. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of, I was more open to them teaching me how to be a friend. I think it was much harder in a partner situation because I think, what is it, like partners seem to be more like parents. Like not What you look for in a partner often mimics what love looked like as a a child. So those things, while I'm not looking to date my parents, there's clearly got to be aspects of my parents, good or bad, that are being reflected back to me. And I would say the same with friendships, by the way. I have mom parents, I have mom friends and I have dad friends. Like, absolutely. And like, there's people that can identify them if you've met my parents because they're very different people. Um, I think my friends for some reason it was easier for them to critique me and for me to take it on and I don't know if that's because a lot of them were women and it's an easier Mm. you know what I mean they know how to approach it differently rather than like some of my guy friends are like what the fuck's wrong with you and you're like (laughs) um but my friends helped me grow therapy helped me grow and I think you know I still get triggered I think we all do I didn't think there's no pure healing and all that mumbo jumbo but I also think 
the other side of it that I've kind of ignored is you need to be with somebody else that's willing to do the work as well. Right. And so I think I spent 10 years doing all the work thinking that was enough only to realize that if somebody else isn't doing work on themselves, you're just out here being Buddha on the mountaintop by yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was some of your, um, what helped you get through that like breakup? Cause right now all I have is like one Melissa Etheridge song. That's just like, I'm, I'm grasping onto for four months. The recent breakup. Yeah. Um, I felt so much better so quickly. Uh-huh. I think that did a lot of it. Okay. Like I, so that kind of just confirms like this was a good decision because I feel relieved. Yeah. And like I was sad and I so. cried a lot, but I also just, he made me feel so bad about myself mm. and I had not felt that bad since before therapy, which is pretty crazy to realize that I went through therapy. I started to like myself. I started to find myself. I started to assert myself. I started to be the best version of myself. And then over time, clearly not in the beginning, but over time towards the end of our relationship, he started to make me feel the way I used to make myself feel Mm. when I was younger. And I was like, oh, I'm sad again. And I haven't been sad in years. Don't get me wrong, I get sad, just like I get lonely. It's a fleeting feeling. This was consistent sadness. I started having panic attacks again. Um, I started just feeling general anxiety all the time. Again, I'm anxious all the time, but it was just all different. And as soon as I decided to end it, and then physically ended it, and we didn't, like within two weeks of not talking, again, still crying, but I was like, I feel so much better. And this was like middle of the pandemic. And I was like, I feel so much better. And just every day that I felt better and every day that I like that anxiety went away in that area, I was like, oh, I never want to put myself in this position again. And just that alone made me feel better. And milkshakes. I'm not going to pretend milkshakes weren't involved. Um, I ate a lot of ice cream during the pandemic. Um, But yeah, I think the one nice thing about therapy is I can can see the shift. Mm. Like I can see when I start to like, I have to fucking talk to this person. And I didn't, I, he, I didn't want to be around him. I didn't look forward to seeing him. So the fact that I had to like muster up this energy and now I didn't have to muster up energy for anybody. And I was really fortunate. I, um, had two, I, I don't, I'm not living with my roommates now, but I had two incredible roommates that just let me talk about it and hang out. And yeah. so in my old, old apartment, when I used to live with Carmen Lynch, um, we had this thing called therapy chair in my room. It was just like this chair. I heard I heard hints of this. Yeah. So therapy chair, you would basically, any of Chris or Carmen would knock on my door and be like, hey, can I sit in therapy chair? And I'm like, fucking yeah. Um, and then we get snacks. And then therapy chair would be open for session. And Is we, it like a big sofa chair type? What, what kind yeah, of chair it's are like, we it, talking? It was a, a girl that I lived with for two days because she ended up like dropping out of school. And that's how long I had it. I had it for like 15 years, dropping out of school. And was like, do you want this chair? And I was like, yeah. And I just took it from apartment to apartment. But basically, it was just a single chair with like a footrest and it leaned back. So you could okay. get really comfortable. I would say like there, and it was leather. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it had like that like worn in leather. And Something could, like your grandpa. Yeah, but I would like literally yeah. curl up in it and read a book. Like nice. it was just a chill, really nice chair. So it's therapy chair has died rest in peace therapy chair um but carmen or chris would come in and they would tell me about some person that they were dating or some friend that upset them or some booker that fucked them over and we would just have this like kind of like session or whatever and i remember going through a different breakup in my new apartment i was living now with uh, my friend john and chris who i lived with for 11 years and um i remember one day being really sad and just knocking on chris's door and i was just like and we don't have the chair anymore. I'm just like therapy chair. And he's like, yeah. And I would like sit down on his bed. And just, so it became like this like way of being like, I'm not okay. Like this terminology. And we would go for walks. You know, we would go get a milkshake. It's their love language. Um, you know, we would like, so I think in some ways having that community of people that I, like I said, I've known Chris over 11 years and we lived together for 11 years. John um, was my little sister's best friend. And when she moved to LA, I inherited him Um, and he came to live with me and um, has been a part of like our family as well Um, for six years. And he's so used to my crazy. And, and sometimes you don't even have to talk about it. Sometimes you're just like, will you go for a walk with me? And they're like, fucking yeah. And 
I feel so fortunate both having this like immediate, especially during the pandemic, like we did our Thanksgiving together when everything was really crazy and like we made food together and I was like, I don't like pie. Can we make cake? And they're like, let's fucking make cake. Like just these like cool people that were my friends and that cared about me and would just let me be a hundred percent my messy self. And then going forward, you know, not living with them and knowing that I equally have that community with my, any friends that I want to be with. Like I just, I understand my biggest privilege is that I have a community genuinely. And there's people out there that are like, how do you get through a breakup? And it's like your friends, your therapist snacks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just like, but if you don't have those, if you don't have that base, I have great empathy for you Mm. because to go through a breakup and this person was your best friend and you don't have a community to fall back on, it must be really hard to recover from that. But I didn't have a lot of friends growing up and then it became really important to me. Like comedy and friendship were like my two like most important things. And I'm one of those people that I, when I date, I don't, I don't drop anybody like you're going to either meet my friends and we'll hang out with my friends or you go hang out with your friends. I'll go hang out with my friends. But I don't understand this. It's just me and this person together and nobody else. That's a recipe for failure in my mind. And I don't, my parents don't really have friends and I never wanted to end up like that. So I think I'm really fortunate that I've always had a really good crew. Well, Liz, um, you know, I, I, I want to say like, I hope you like stick to your guns <laughs> on this whole like, yeah, like I'm not doing jump into this. That, but like everything about like you say and uh, like your demeanor and the way you speak about all this stuff. And I'm sure all the therapy and milkshakes. I'm like, there's like not a doubt in my mind. I feel like, yeah, I, like I but like just in this conversation, I just sit here like I, I, who could not be confident about like your ability. Yeah. To just be I'm like, going to have a neck tattoo yeah. the next time you see me of some dude that I was with for a week. Oh, and you're going to be like, Liz. <laughs> We talked about You're this. You're letting me down. Um. <laughs> Don't be Davidson this shit. I'm so proud of you. No, uh, you, you really seem to have that together. And uh, I don't know. I'm sitting here being like, I'm going to have to journal after this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Also, get a cat. Like, I'm so pro. Not even a cat. Just get a pet. I don't In care if you get a snake. hour, you have low-key slowly been like, okay, but like, could I fuck with cats? Okay, only if things were well in a lady definitely don't work out because she's allergic. But yeah, yeah, yeah. if not, then like, fuck it. Maybe I go cat. I don't know. I've maybe actually, do that. I've had four boyfriends too. Two of them have been allergic to cats. Between and you and Mark Marin, like, I was like, maybe a cat. Yeah, dude, get a cat, get a cat. I really do. That also, like, that was the thing is my cat died um, not too long after the breakup. And that mm. was like, fuck you. Like, that was, that was the, That's I would say fair. that was, that was the hardest part. And I immediately was like, I don't want to replace her immediately, but I am going to have to get another cat. <laughs> so I, th- I, I leaned heavily on milkshakes, but the cat did also some heavy lift- lifting. Yeah. Well, Liz, you have a new special out. I watched it this morning. It's very funny. I really Thank think you. people should check it out. It's free on YouTube, right? Yeah, girl. Yeah. Free. <laughs> so uh, what's the name of the special again? And where can people follow you, find you? Yeah, it's called The Ghost of Academic Future. It is free on YouTube. You can just find it. Um, just, you know, youtube.com slash Liz Mealy. That's M-I-E-L-E. Um, I have three full hours free on YouTube and then one hour that isn't free that you can find on my website. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I have a book called Why Cats Are Assholes. <laughs> is it is it about what you would think? Yeah, it's uh, 100% about cats. Um, it is a funny, I would say it's both like factual and like opt-ed pieces, like how to name your cat, why your name is probably stupid. Um, and then all the page numbers are cat buttholes and that's the real selling point. Wow, that really is. Uh, also, but and on the special, like I know the, the, the title is Ghost of Academic Future, but like a lot of relationship talk, a lot yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of kind of what we talked about here, but like with more punchlines in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Less so, sadness. You know, if you're kind of be like ghost of academic future, I like the sex and dating stuff. No, the, you'll you'll enjoy yeah. this. You'll enjoy the special. It's really good. Um, Liz, thanks for chatting with me. Yeah, yeah thanks yeah, for having me. And uh, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Bye, guys. <laughs> Hey, don't go anywhere just yet. I'm almost done with you, but not, I am not done with you yet. See, that's, that's my Dom voice when I'm like, you're not, you're not it. (laughs) And I just try to keep a straight face while I try to do some sort of dominant, like face slapping or whatever. Uh, Folks, I got, I'm going to play a little teaser. There's a little bit more content for you coming up. I'm going to be playing a teaser of a, of one of the many bonus episodes available on my Patreon. Uh, but first, I want to know what you thought about this week's episode with Liz Mealy. 
What did you think about Liz? What did you think about the topics we discussed? How can you relate to the stories we both shared? Let us know in the champagne room, our super free, super fun, super sex positive Discord server. Jump into the episode discussion channel with nearly 600 fan whores and share your thoughts. Link in the show notes, but again, you can join up at manwhorepod.com slash discord. We love shout outs on social media as well. If you are brave enough to admit that you listen to a slut show on your socials, but I understand the complicated dynamics of that. That's why hot movie night is nice and private. It's for patrons only like-minded people just like you. I hope to see you there in the champagne room. Again, you got to join the Discord server, and then you have to be a Patreon member to gain access. Uh, it's it's a hot movie because the brother is coming home from college, so you know things are going to get wild. And I want to hear what sort of jokes you got to say about the whole thing. Uh, so I hope to see you all there tomorrow night. Uh, and now, folks, I'm going to play a teaser of my bonus episode with Gabriella Alexa. You might remember her from episode 411. Yeah, that was a while ago, but she had a great bonus show. She's a coder. She works for a dating app company, and we're talking a little bit more uh, about like the back end, the tech side of dating apps and algorithms. So here's a little taste. Here's a little teaser. And if you want to hear the whole bonus episode, as well as nearly 300 other bonus episodes, become a member today at patreon.com slash podcast. Get into therapy. So you can stay slutty. In a hundred years, we're going to be like, and and I pray to the algorithm, capital A <laughs> algorithm. Uh, please let my posts get ten likes. <laughs> right. So, so, but there is actual like things that algorithms do, and the Tinder algorithm pairs like similarly hot people together. Mm-hmm. So you're because they want to keep you in the app, right? Like we talked so much about Facebook wants to keep you in the app. So they're going to show you the posts that are super contentious and like people are arguing. They show you the posts that are going to get you angry. They even had done psycho experiments where they um they were like, I wonder if we show people only happy shit, will it make them happy? If we show them only sad or angry shit, will it make them sad or angry? And obviously that's fucked up. You cannot just like experiment on populations of people through your app, but Tinder is not any different (laughs) from these big tech corporations.